The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. Thanks very much to Lucy Milazzo for the last couple of hours on Home. She will be back all Friday evening with another episode. Steffi Callister's here tomorrow from four. Welcome to the Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to Gadget Guide, show number 261 with the latest tech news, and then we'll look at heat pumps as gas boiler replacements. We've got a few chilly days lined up, um, things to keep you warm if you're looking to ditch the gas boiler, or maybe even the oil boiler if you're out in one of the uh, South Cambridgeshire villages. Um, but first of all, a look at this week's technology news, and we'll start off in the world of Microsoft with Windows 11. Yes, so a couple of uh, interesting things due out imminently. Uh, this will be the uh, November Windows updates, uh, adding a whole lot of new features in Windows 11's Moment 4 update. And the big one really being uh, native support for different forms of compressed files and archives other than zip files. So this is adding support for things like RAR and 7-zip and GZ. Things that have been used in lots of other places and have had third-party applications that support those, but due to a, uh, a library, an open-source library that uh, supports a lot of compression options now being included, all of those are coming to Windows. And this is going to be I guess mostly convenient for people who are doing relatively technical things. You know, if you're working with open source software, maybe you're doing some uh, software development, but also if you're experimenting with things like the Raspberry Pi um, or the BBC Microbit or anything like that, anything of that ilk, you're likely to come across these alternate zip uh, or compression formats. It's just, yeah, it, it was never a, a massive deal to to deal with them, um, the likes of 7-zip or WinZip or Gzip, uh, or you know, PZip and that, that sort of thing were always available, but this just means that it's now just there and ready to go. Yeah, I guess Windows, also Windows Explorer will just do it like it now does ISO files and just mounts them as a, a virtual DVD or CD. Yeah, and I, I guess this is is just going to make life a little bit uh, a little bit easier for people. But it's it's not the only thing that's uh, that's coming uh, mid November. That's uh, that's when we were expecting to see this uh, sort of feature update released. Um, Quite a lot of other things. Tuesday, yes, yeah, November the fourteenth. So watch out for that one. Uh, yes, so things like improvements to the start menu, I mean, they they fiddle with the start menu on a regular basis. I think they've now got to a point of recognising too much change will upset users, so it's settled down a lot, I think, recently. Um, but a couple of other useful new things to change on the taskbar, you'll be able to turn the clock off for people who don't want to see the time on their taskbar. Nice, although that's probably not going to help me turning up to meetings on time. Um, a... Interesting thing for anyone who's got uh, devices with dynamic lighting. So this is keyboards and mice that have got glow. Now, it might just be a single glow, certainly on laptops. So they've got uh, quite a lot of laptops have got a, a light-up keyboard. But gaming keyboards and mice tend to have glow and colour changing and so on. And that control will be native inside Windows, finally. Now, I, I do like that because at the moment, if you do get one of these fancy peripherals, often it comes with its own software application and those can be of, let, let's be generous and say variable less, quality. Less, less quality than you'd expect based on how much you pay for the device. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so not having to have those third-party applications installed is, uh, is definitely a, 
uh, a bit of a bonus. It's not the only thing, though, because um, we're also getting things like uh, another redesign of control panel or settings, as <laughs> as it's known. I'm not sure they finished the last three versions, but... Uh, no, no, there's uh, still bits where you go, oh, it's the old control panel still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one so one shortcut I didn't know existed, which is Control Windows Key V to get the volume control. Right now, that yes. gets you the basics of which device you'd like to use. And apparently, this is getting beefed up in the uh, November update to be a better volume mixer. Yeah, and that that we'll I think is probably probably something that. Um, they they sort of had a fairly competent volume mixer back in the kind of Windows 7, early Windows 10 days. Then it got simplified. I think they've probably realized they went a little too far with that simplification. And actually, you know what, people do like individual app controls. So uh, maybe turning your uh, web browser's sound uh, level down while you're on a, a Zoom call or, or that sort of thing. So hopefully we're getting a little bit of control back there and not having to dive back into that old school Windows 7 control panel that uh, still exists for sound cards as well. Yes, besides all of the things that we'll see, there's increased and enhanced phishing protection. Um, there is a lot of fixes to uh, core components of Windows to reduce memory usage, to uh, fix bugs, uh, fix security issues. So it's going to be an update definitely worth doing. Yep, uh, we should also mention uh, Windows Copilot. Uh, which is the, I was trying uh, to avoid the, I, I know. Uh, well, it's it's the latest incarnation of uh, Microsoft's AI tools. It's already uh, been launched in the likes of GitHub and Bing Chat and that sort of thing. Um, it's now coming to Windows. Effectively, this is ChatGPT plus other similar bits of ecosystem integrated into Windows. I I guess let's let's see what happens. Um, we we I, may I have to do a deep dive into that once it ships. Yeah, I suspect it's going to be very similar to all of those systems. It just saves you having to copy and paste from a web page and and puts it directly into uh, uh, into your application. So watch watch this space on that one. Uh, what else have we got? Micro staying with Microsoft for a second. Um, and uh, if you've got a, a dodgy Xbox controller, um, yeah, a cheap cheap one you might have acquired on a market be a digital or a, a real market and it costs a lot less and doesn't say Microsoft on it yep then you might soon no longer be able to use that with your Xbox um, you'll probably if you do if you are affected by this uh, you're probably already seeing the uh, the warning message but starting from about the uh, 17th of November they will actually stop working I think the, the clue is if you're going to use an accessory with things like an Xbox or a PlayStation Buy the genuine ones or an official partner one that is certified to work with that device. So, you know, if you're, if you're buying something that's made by uh, the likes of Anchor, um, who are a big Amazon brand, you're probably going to find it's going to work. Of course, and if I, you bought I, it on Amazon, you've got a better chance of getting your money back if it doesn't work. I, I guess this is the sort of thing where to, if, if they'd launched the Xbox with this prevention in place, then I think that people could be reasonably forgiven, uh, could, could be reasonably expected to only get the genuine or the authorised ones. Um, to retroactively push this out, you know, you've had people who have in good faith bought uh, you know, third-party controllers, they've worked, they've fallen outside of that money-back yeah. period, and now to start denying them? It I, almost feels, feels like... feels a little bit dodgy. It almost feels like you bought a car that shipped with... 
uh, Bridgestone Tires and your car manufacturer says, well, you've, you've fitted Pirelli. Sorry, your warranty is void. Like I say, if, but, if they you know, were, it's, it's almost that level. If that behaviour was the case up front, then I yeah. think that that would be reasonable. You know, yeah. if, if you could buy something from Amazon, okay, get bitten, it wasn't genuine, it doesn't work, you send it back within the, the 14 days or whatever it is and you get your refund, then I think that market would, would disappear very quickly. The fact that people have bought them, they did use work, them for years, and now they no longer yeah. work through no action of, on the part of the user. I I think that that's probably uh, probably starting to to feel a little bit uh, a little bit like poor form, even if yeah e- even if they did sort of say this in a, a license agreement sometime somewhere. Do, do people really? <laughs> Yeah, read those 40 pages of t's and c's that you go scroll 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 next yes exactly um anyway that's that's microsoft land um heading over to meta who are the the makers of facebook and instagram and threads and all of that sort of thing whatsapp of course yeah um europe brackets not including the uk uh is getting the option for a premium facebook subscription (laughs) Yes, so this has been in our main news, and uh, I thought we'd just uh, quickly look into exactly what's going on here. And this is um, the EU clamping down on a lot of online digital properties. So it's not just Facebook Meta being targeted. Anyone social media who's capturing personal information has had to start complying with the EU rules on GDPR. We've all been through that and seen pop-ups about cookies and tracking and so on. Um, and the EU has said, you know, this this targeted advertising, yeah, users need to be able to opt out. So you need to give people a, a way to not be targeted advertising. And they have a basically agreed in principle that a, a service charging a subscription to yep. not be uh, serving targeted adverts but still deliver the service is legitimate. And I think that's totally reasonable. You know, fa- Facebook to date has been entirely funded through advertising. I don't think it's reasonable to say, okay, well, you can't, you know, <laughs> you have to let people use the <laughs> yeah. service but, but not show them adverts. I think charging for, for services that, that people do get value out of um, is, is entirely reasonable. Um, and I think offering a free version that is ad supported is also entirely reasonable. Um, Coming in at somewhere around the uh, sort of seven or eight pound a month, not going to be available initially to UK users. I guess they're going to see how many people take it up. Um, probably, probably also considering other markets has to have Westminster shake its fist at, at um, Meta and say we want the same. And, well, maybe, and I, I guess it depends how many how many people take them up on the offer and how much advertising revenue they they lose because. Mm. If you look at a, a similar example, YouTube Premium, um, yeah. I suspect that YouTube, Google, in the form of YouTube, make more money from a premium subscriber than they do for the ads that they would otherwise have shown that. Certainly creators, YouTube creators, get paid more from views from premium subscribers. So, yeah, the the, the creators are very happy with it. Yeah. Um, and as a subscriber, I'm happy to hand over a few pounds a month to not get adverts on my YouTube videos. I'm exactly in that camp and apparently there are 80 million people who agree with that around the world and pay YouTube premium subscriptions. So, you know, that that's working for Google 
Uh, I yeah. guess we'll have to wait and see what it does for for Meta. And of course, if it if it proves to be quite good in Europe, and I'm guessing the likes of the Germans and the French are, are most likely to be the ones who will go, yes, we want that because they, they are quite they against tracking. Very very privacy focused. Yeah. Um, you know, if 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 eighty if eighty million people across Europe sign up and go Facebook, yeah, we're paying you. That's probably quite a decent amount of revenue versus you know is a subscriber mm. worth more than 10 euros a month in ad revenue versus them giving you 10 euros a month that's their yep. euro pricing to actually use the platform yeah so very very interesting to work uh, watch how that uh, how that goes um, moving over to uh, to the United States for a second, um, there's been a new executive order. This has been just signed by uh, President Biden um, on regulations of artificial intelligence. So we sort of mentioned this a little with uh, uh, Windows 11's Copilot, um, but there is a big movement at the moment to to try and say, okay, we've got this AI technology. Now, how do we use it safely? How do we use it yeah. ethically? Uh, and we are now seeing a requirement in the form of this executive order to say okay if you're making an ai product you need to demonstrate how you test the safety of the product yeah uh it's got to be reliable secure uh, beneficial you know it's no point developing an ai that is not actually benefiting uh the public at, at large um to qualify uh so yes there's no going in making a, a dodgy ai that's just designed to be starnet um <laughs> and the next terminator but um it's interesting at the the amount of uh stuff focusing on it uh being uh, uh promoting equality civil rights preventing discriminatory practices so in other words if your ai becomes racist just because you turned it on wrong yes yeah yeah, and, and, and this is either i think that this is going to probably be where we see a lot of argument is companies who through inadequate care in the selection of their training data yeah. inadvertently make an ai which is discriminatory and you know not maybe through it's any deliberate action on their part and yeah. not because they themselves are, as as people are, are discriminatory but because they've selected a biased set of yeah. training data so maybe someone with that result. Tra trains a, a, an ai to to help on sifting through cvs for recruitment and forgets to tell it to not worry about what font people uses and it decides to reject anyone who uses Comic Sans. Yes. I, I, I guess course, there at least... The, the, the rest of us might agree that that's actually quite a good... Like that's <laughs> on your CV. unlikely to select for or select against you know, yeah. protected characteristics. But, yeah. but you could totally imagine that if you... Uh, well, if, if, you, if you trained it, on it images wrong, images of a population where if one, you, if, you, if yeah, you trained uh, it on 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 CVs and and you never picked someone called John as as a good candidate, it might then have a bias against anyone called John. Mm. Those sorts yeah. of strange biases can come out of this technology, and we've seen that already with with models that have been badly trained. So it's it's an interesting new way of thinking about information when it's managed by a digital uh, process yeah i think there's um a lot of uh, a lot of developments still to uh, still to come in that area um moving on to uh, to android and samsung for a, a start um we've got uh, android 14 
and that's that's been rolling out for a, a while on uh, Pixel devices. More on that in a second. Um, but uh, Galaxy, Samsung Galaxy devices are going to start uh, seeing an accelerated uptake of Android 14. So this is going to be initially the S23, the S23 Plus, the S23 Ultra, um, but they are going to roll it back to uh, to earlier devices um, gradually. I, yes. I think can can confirm that S23 users in the UK are already getting Android 14 with the One UI 6 update. Uh, it takes about 10 to 12 minutes to install. A little bit longer if you've got a lot of apps installed. So if you've got a couple hundred apps, expect to add about another 10, 12 minutes to that install time. Um, and as you said, it will roll to the Galaxy S22s, then the 21s, the Galaxy Z Folds, the 5s and yep. the 4s, um, into some of the A-series, the A54s and 53s, as well as the F23. Um, so a good series of basically the last two to three years worth last of phones. Years, yep. Yeah, yep, and that's it's good to see that uh, more of the manufacturers are supporting those older devices for longer, um, and you're not ending up in the situation we had a few years back where you had a perfectly functional bit of hardware, but it was no longer being supported. It was no longer getting the latest updates, and as a result, people were sort of feeling that they were forced to upgrade to a new, you know, a new physical a new device, device just have a new operating needed. system. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So speaking about Pixel phones with Android 14, yes, have you, Google, have you checked yours? Uh, I, I have. I've got a, uh, a Pixel, I think it's the uh, the 7A from memory. Is um, it running Android 14 yet? I, I think it is, um, and I've not noticed any problems so far. So Google have I? fessed up to a possible bug bricking some Pixel phones. So this is specifically yep, Android um, 14 updates on, on Pixel phones. Right, I'm definitely mainly, on uh, Android 14. And mainly so Pixel 6, so the previous version of the phones, but some Pixel 7s have been affected. Um, where if you've got multiple profiles, now this is something not a lot of people uh, okay. use. Yes. So multiple profiles is quite cool because you can like you can log into a computer as yourself and then another family member can log into the computer as themselves and maybe a kid can log in as a child profile which reduces access to various things, makes it a child safe environment. Those sort of features are available in Android so you can have multiple profiles on your phone. Yes. If you've got multiple profiles, Profiles of the Android 14 update could cause the phone to go into a bit of a boot loop. Uh, interesting. Now it it does uh, it does say in their uh, release that they have they've released an update to the uh, Google Play system update, um, which prevents additional devices being affected. And I've just gone to uh, to check that. That's in uh, in your device settings and then uh, about Android. Um, there's a, a Google Play version. Um, I've just done that update. That was available. So even though I had uh, Android 14, there was a further update available. So do maybe check that if you're a, a Pixel device user. Yes. And if you don't have multiple profiles, you don't have anything to worry about. Do the, uh, do the uh, Android 14 update if it's available. If you've got multiple profiles, yeah, possibly do, hold do off on that a little quickly, bit of yeah. time. Do the Play update. Google are saying saying that they are fully supporting users who are affected through the process and working on fixes. So uh, they will make sure that people don't get locked out of their phones, devices and their data. Very good. Uh, where should we go next? Uh, so <laughs> we, we've got uh, a, a bit of a, a cease and desist order going on, which is always, uh, always a fun one, um, which this is going to be interesting, uh, is against Meta. 
they have been given 30 days to cease using the name Threads uh, by the company that trademarked it <laughs> 11 years ago. Yes, an interesting little this company. Might be one of those uh, sort of who should win versus who will win. <laughs> who has the biggest um, bank balance to pay lawyers? Um, Thread Software Limited in the UK, a UK company, uh, has existed as you said, for 11 years, trademark the name, uh, developed a bit of software that allows you to capture uh, a whole lot of company, your company's digital messages, so emails, phone calls, all that sort of information into an easily searchable database. Now, this is quite useful if you are a customer-driven organization where you want to know every interaction that you have with your customers and to be able to track that information. And it I makes think a that's going to be quite interesting because... Uh, yeah, with trademarks, it's would a would a reasonable person be confused uh, by these things? So there was the the classic one of, of some years ago where you had Apple Music and Apple Computer, and they they argued at the time um, that nobody would consider those two things to be the same company because clearly they're operating in different spheres. Of course, that then came to to cross over and led to lawsuits when the iPod was uh, uh, released. Um, but here it sounds like we've got something, okay, it's, it's clearly not the same application as Threads, but it's effectively a social media um, app. It's, you know, it's, it's curating content from a network of, uh, of users. And, and drawing feel- threads between the information. Exactly. like That feels like that's very much in the, um, <coughs> in the realms of, you could argue a reasonable person could be confused. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure that this is what the, uh, <laughs> the legal and- battle is going to in- entail. And the Threads company, the UK company, um, have got several hundred customers around the world, several hundred companies as customers around the world. So they're not just, you know, a small company. In fact, they've got over a thousand organizations around the world using their software. So they're they're well established in business software. It's not just been sitting on a a trademark. No. Um, They own the threads.app domain. Meta tried to um, uh, acquire it. Um, and uh, yeah, they got lawyer letters. Ev- evidently didn't uh, offer quite enough money for that. Uh, they trade with threads.cloud as their domain, uh, as their primary one, which I can imagine that Meta were after as well. So Meta had to go for threads.net. Right. Dot, not, dot .net domains historically have been for network operators. So your BTs and your um, Vodafones of the world who operate networks not necessarily companies who offer social media. And it'll be very interesting to say, I know certainly um, Threads had a, a hugely successful launch. Um, I, I'm not hearing a lot of stuff about no, it. I mean, I know it's, it's 100 still million going, users in five days. And yeah. apparently engagement has dropped off drastically. Um, originally, people spending up to 20 minutes a day playing with Threads on their phones, and it's down to about four minutes. And I, I guess it'll be interesting to see if that's a trend that you, know, you could reasonably expect with all the, the launch publicity. You would see that drop off after the initial thing. But I, mm. I wonder uh, I wonder how that's going to uh, move over time. I guess it'll uh, depend on if um, uh, X starts making charging mandatory. Yeah, or, or even if... Yeah, where, whether we just see threads just quietly kind of rolled into Instagram and yeah. you know, remove the distinction, which um, <laughs> might get this uh, lawsuit to go away it, as well. It, if it, it's the most sensible brand. thing, really, when they, you look at how the two glue together. It's Threads is just Instagram with text. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, uh, lastly, yeah. in mergers and acquisitions, Broadcom have been trying to um, purchase and uh, close a deal to acquire VMware. Um, Broadcom make network equipment. VMware make software that allows organizations to run more than one computer on a bit of hardware and have done so very successfully for many years. Uh, $69 billion worth of buyout, um, and it was due to close today, 30th of October. Um, it's been delayed a bit, and they hope to close it before the end of November. Uh, apparently, the biggest delay is China approving it. Uh, it's been approved in Australia, Brazil, Canada, the EU, uh, Japan, South Africa, Korea, Taiwan, and the UK, and various other markets, but not yet China. Yeah, so watch watch this space on that if you're in the uh, software industry. Next up, though, we're going to be talking about heat pumps. Cambridge 105 Radio. Monday evenings on Cambridge 105 Radio. Strummers and Dreamers with Les Ray. As there are so many different kinds of folk songs out there. Traditional ballads, shanties, work songs, songs by singer-songwriters of all kinds, my particular thing. You'll get live sessions and interviews by local performers and those from further afield, the big names on the scene and newly emerging independent artists. Lots of new music, some classics and something special just for you. Strummers and Dreamers online whenever you want it and Monday at 7 on Cambridge 105 Radio. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of CKLG, responsible for business services. Throughout your lifetime, your personal and financial situation will change. Maybe you've just arrived in the UK to work or are looking to invest in property. Perhaps you're making plans for your retirement and are looking to reduce potential inheritance tax liabilities. CKLG Accountants ensure you receive bespoke tax advice tailored to you and your family's needs along the way. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk. CKLG Accountants, your partner in business, your partner in life. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. And we are talking about heat pumps now as we head into the uh, the cooler, cooler season of the year. Um, we, and, we did and, look and at we, these before. And we've been reading the updated government documentation so you don't have to um, because a lot of things have changed since we last looked at them in May 2022. Yes. So the, the first bit is the value of the grant that you can get to uh, support your uh, your boiler upgrade scheme, as they're calling it. That has gone up now to £7,500 uh, towards the cost of installation. We'll come on to some of those costs in a, a minute. But first of all, what is a heat pump and what isn't a heat pump? Um, <laughs> and, and there's a couple of different types, really. And, and for most people... If you're retrofitting this, so if you're buying, if you're in an existing property, the one that you're going to be talking about is an air-sourced heat pump, isn't it? So the, this is a thing that has something that looks a bit like an air conditioning unit um, outdoors, and that is going to suck heat in from the outside, even if it's cold outside, um, yep. and move that heat inside. So it's a little bit like a fridge, but running backwards. Pretty much. And the, the better ones can actually run the other way around as well, so that in summer, it does almost become like air conditioning. Yep. Um, 
Yes, it, it the, is pumping around a refrigerant-type coolant between the inside and the outside to do that heat exchange. So it is, as long as there is a significant difference between your inside temperature and your outside temperature, these things work. And there are also ground source heat pumps, and these do do exactly the same, operate on the same principles, but rather than uh, bringing in heat from the air, they actually suck it literally out of the earth. Um, and you might think, hang on, the, the ground isn't particularly warm. But what it is, is very consistent. Um, it takes a lot of energy to heat up or cool down the soil. Yes. Uh, because there's a lot of it, it's very heavy, um, and it's really good at storing energy. So that means that whilst, you know, if we have a bit of a cold snap, then maybe it'll get down to freezing or minus 10, or, you know, I think the worst we had in the beast from the east was sort of minus 20. Um, the, the but the, gra the ground would not have yeah. got, certainly at the level that you bury, so it requires pipes buried in the ground outside your house, so you need a garden, yep. obviously, for these sort of things. But they are buried around uh, a reasonable amount of depth below the ground, at the point the ground is never going to freeze. Exactly, and normally yes, that means year-round it's going to stay, I think, normally about 5 to 10 degrees, which yeah, is... And, and there are often. areas of the world where the ground does freeze, and that's permafrost. We do not have that anywhere in the UK. Yes. Um, what that means is that when it is the coldest outside, which is the time that you really need the most heat, um, actually the soil, the ground is going to be a, a warmer source of energy um, yep. than the air would be. But, as you say, it does involve digging a lot of uh, a lot of holes, running a lot of pipes, and so for that reason, it's not something you'd normally be doing in an existing property unless you're doing a major redevelopment. More something that's suitable for new builds, and in fact, we, we see some sort of district heating things where you, you set one set of pipes, maybe in something like Parker's Peace, and then distribute that heat to a lot of uh, a lot of properties. To all the so, surrounding buildings, hotels, police station, fire station, and so exactly. on. Exactly. Yes. So if you're just looking at doing this for your existing property, you're probably going to be going for an air-sourced heat pump. Um, things what are not heat pumps. Um, you might also see things like electric boilers. Um, all that is is uh, an electric heater. Um, it might heat up water that goes through your radiators, not a heat pump. Storage heaters, fan heaters, that sort of thing, also not heat pumps. They use electricity to heat, but what they're not doing is moving heat in from outdoors into your house. And that means they're much, much less efficient. Um, also, we'll mention this because it's on that um, government grant scheme, biomass boilers. These are things that burn either wood chips or wood pellets or that sort of thing. Um, they, they fall under this sort of low carbon banner because you're not burning fossil fuels, you can grow more trees to replace the ones that you've just burnt. Um, so it might be environmentally more friendly than a fossil fuel boiler, um, but not than a heat pump. You're also likely to have issues with air quality uh, regulations in, in urban areas. So that's probably out of scope for most people living in Cambridge. So those are the things that aren't heat pump. Air sourced heat pumps is what we're going to mostly be talking about um, in today's programme. So, radiators you've got in the house already, um, those can generally work with most heat pump systems. Now, something that a lot of people might be worried about is the thing where it's like, oh, do you need to upgrade your radiators? Do you need, to, do you need bigger pipe work? Um, it depends. Um, and this is one where it's sort of, in some properties, and particularly very modern ones, but not the most modern. They've used very small pipes to the radiators. That can be a problem sometimes. 
any older properties, you're generally fine. What you might find is that upgrading your radiators, having larger radiators, will make a heat pump more efficient. So it'll be cheaper to buy because you don't need such a big one, and it'll be cheaper to run. Um, and bigger radiators mean that you can run the water inside them at a lower temperature. So that, that really helps the efficiency of a heat pump, but it also helps it for a, a modern boiler. So if you've got a condensing gas boiler, you're probably also going to benefit from having larger radiators. So maybe that's the first step in your upgrade. Keep your existing boiler, just upgrade your radiators, and then you can turn that water temperature down a bit. Now, what's interesting, besides the government grant, which is available um, uh, for the next five years on boiler upgrades, um, they have zero-rated VAT on a lot of things to make your house more energy efficient. So from May 2023 until March 2027, zero rate is applied to uh, heating system controls, so that's manual or electronic thermostats, uh, uh, draft stripping, insulation, this is roof and wall, solar panels, heat pumps, um, larger radiators and pipe work for those heat pumps, as long as they're done at the same time as the heat pump. Yes. Wind turbines and water turbines. Again, probably not something you're going to be putting in your uh, uh, Gweda Street terraced house, but uh, useful to know maybe if you're somewhere if out, you, in the, out in the countryside out a little bit more. If you're and you have a larger property, maybe a farm or a... Uh, you know, a couple of acres of, of land that you've got a big enough space to put up a, tur a turbine, those can be pretty good when we have no or we have reduced sun in the lousier time of the year, generally about now, winter. We generally still have pretty good wind. Yeah, that's, that's true. Those two often sort of oppose each other. So having a combination of both is really useful. You, you mentioned ins insulation because I think this is another one of the, the kind of heat pump myths is, you know, do you always need to upgrade your insulation to before you get a heat pump? And again, you don't have to because you can just buy a bigger heat pump in the same way as you, can, you currently have a bigger boiler. Um, but if you can do the insulation beforehand or at the same time, then it's going to be cheaper because you're not losing as much heat. That means you're not having to put as much heat in to, to keep your house warm. So actually, it's probably cheaper to upgrade your insulation and then get a smaller heat pump than it is to not do the insulation and buy the bigger heat pump. So again, it's not a requirement, but it's generally a good idea. And, and therefore, you, know, you see a lot of recommendations of actually, you know what, if you don't have very much loft insulation, if you, you know, maybe you've got some very old double glazing that's a bit leaky, maybe now's a good time to consider that before putting the heat bump in. Yes. Uh, with any of these things, if you are an installer um, or a customer who's thinking about doing these, chat to your installer about which things are zero rated on VAT, which things are covered by grants and what you can do to maximise your savings. But we are seeing some energy providers actually weighing mm. in with some assistance in this regard as well. Yep, and uh, Octopus Energy are probably one of the ones that's that's hitting the headlines the most um, because they are effectively saying it can be almost free um, to uh, to upgrade to a heat pump if you don't need a huge amount of that other work done at the same time. Um, we mentioned those government grants. Those are uh, coming in at £7,500 at the moment. Um, and if you uh, if you take that off the the cost of some of the uh, the the latest heat pumps, that means that you know Octopus reckon that they can now give you something for maybe a thousand pounds outlay from from you, um, and yeah that 
that now makes it cheaper or as cheap as replacing a boiler. If you if you don't need to replace your boiler, then it's probably cheaper to keep that running while it's while it's still going. But if your current gas boiler is coming to the end of its useful life, then these grants can make uh, make that replacement very uh, very attractive. I think we'll look at some numbers after the break uh, because some of the numbers are scary big but the grants help and some of the running costs because those need to be factored in as well before you decide what you're doing. And we are keeping you warm with all the latest heat pump technology. I, I guess maybe another one of those heat pump myths is, you know, does it work in the cold? Because, of course, this is, you know, when it's really cold outside, that's when you're going to be wanting yep. the, the most heat and you want to make sure that you're uh, staying warm. Um and again, the answer is yes, it's fine as long as you get it right. Um, if you look at Scandinavia, um, you know, Norway, 50% of homes have heat pumps to deliver their heating. Yeah, they have a much colder climate than we do. And also we're seeing it in new builds. I certainly know that uh, areas like Orchard Park on the north side of the city, a lot of the new builds there, built yep. standard with heat pumps. No boilers, it's all heat pumps. Now, the really important thing here is getting the size of the heat pump correct, because if you put too small one in, then yes, it's going to struggle. You're going to be cold. It's not going to be pleasant. Similarly, if you put something that's too big in, it's going to cost you more um, and it's going to be less efficient. So um, as part of your heat pump installation, if you are going out to, uh, to, to find someone to install it, make sure they do a proper heat loss survey um, and actually look at how much heat your house needs to uh, to it, keep it warm. Interestingly, you can borrow, free of charge from the council, a thermal in imaging camera. So you mm. can go around the house and look for those cold spots and see whether they actually exist. Or, you know, we all feel cold differently. Is it a real cold spot or is it just us feeling cold? The thermal imaging camera helps put science in, in place of, of that, show you where the drafts are coming from so that you can then think about insulation and work out, you know, do you need to do things like insulation, double glazing, maybe just putting a draft strip on, on, the, on the bottom of the door, this, even the side of the door can make a difference. Now, you can have a little bit of an estimate of this for yourself uh, if you want to do that before getting a, uh, a formal quote. And that's if you have a smart meter, then a lot of those, the, the in-home display will tell you how many kilowatt hours of gas, if that's what you're currently using to, uh, to heat your home, um, you've used on a day. So maybe pick a, a relatively cold day and you know, maybe freezing outside. You know, don't, don't wait for the, for the next <laughs> return of minus 20, but your typical cold day, um, let's say it's not degrees outside and over a 24 hour period, you use, let's say, 48 kilowatt hours of, uh, of gas. That means that to replace that 48 kilowatt hours, you're going to need, on average, two kilowatts of heat going into your house 24 hours a day. Now, you probably don't want to run it 24 hours a day. Let's double that up and say, OK, you need four kilowatts of heat going into uh, to keep your house hot during the day. Um, at that point, you can then take that and use that as a bit of an estimate for how big a heat pump you need. And that's about right. A six kilowatt heat pump would be typical for a maybe a semi-detached two or three bedroom house but you know you can get an idea for with your current situation with your current radiators how much heat are you actually putting into your house and that can help inform your choice 
of next challenge is looking at the cost of gas versus the cost of electricity now that gets a little bit more complicated so if we're saying that there's that six kilowatt hours of heat at gas prices we know what that costs gas is costing about 6p a kilowatt hour yep although your gas boiler is not 100% efficient. Um, no, if you've got a modern so. one, it's, it's pretty good. It's maybe 95% efficient. Uh, so we can work out that cost for that amount of energy per day. Yep. And let's, let's use that example. Let's say we've got that 48 kilowatt hours for uh, keeping my house warm on a cold day. Using gas, that's going to work out as about three pounds. So three, three pounds and two pence. Uh, I reckon, to uh, to heat my house with gas. Whereas if you were on an average 30p per kilowatt hour, and that's a pretty good average amongst most of the providers, there are some higher rates, there's some lower rates, but 30p is about right per kilowatt hour. Of electricity. Times, of electricity. Times, what did we say? To, um, For 48, but here's the magic, and this is why heat pumps are different to those storage heaters or fan heaters. They can be three times more efficient... Yes, and that's because yeah, you're not magicking up energy out of nowhere. You're moving it from outside to inside. So what you're doing is you're putting one kilowatt hour of electricity in, and that's dragging another three kilowatt hours of heat from the outside yeah. world into your house. So, so that actually, that forty kilowatts effectively costs us for, ten. Yeah, forty-eight kilowatt hours. Um, we're going to actually need a quarter of that. So we're going to need twelve kilowatt hours of electricity. Thirty uh, p. 30p that is three pounds 60 of electricity so it is a little bit more expensive just just a fraction um than gas prices at the moment now if you currently use oil heating or lpg if you've got a gas tank outside your house um or if you use something like storage heaters then that's going to be very different i've i'm not on top of oil prices, but I think that oil heating is generally significantly more expensive than gas heating. Yeah. So it's probably much more of a push to go over to heat pumps if you've got not mains gas. Of course, if you can get rid of your mains gas, if you can completely disconnect it, maybe you've gone over to an induction hob or something like that, um, then you can save that gas standing charge as well. So lots of uh, factors to consider there, but... Um, you know, it's not going to be massively more expensive. It is going to work in the cold and uh, you don't necessarily and have to do lots of retrofit. You become a very green, as far as your green credentials are concerned, low carbon and low emissions. Yeah, very much so. Well, that's all we've got time for on the uh, Gadget Guide this evening. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more.